last few weeks that we've been uh, meeting together, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and in particular, we've been looking at chapter 6 and uh, Jesus' instruction on how to live righteously. And the core of Jesus' teaching, to remember, is, is whatever we do, whether it's helping the poor or uh, praying or fasting or some other uh, work that we're doing for the Lord, the motivation for doing that should not be for man's applause. It should not be to get attention. It should not be to get a pat on the back. It should not be uh, for any of that stuff. The reason we should be doing it is for God alone. Now, in our passage today, Jesus shifts, uh, he shifts gears. And today he's going to talk about our material possessions. He's going to talk about uh, how we're to view and to store up our treasures. We're going to be Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 19 in just a moment. And Jesus' instruction, again, is very straightforward. And I like that about Jesus because, you know, um, I'm a pretty straightforward person, but I'm also uh, kind of simple. And uh, I don't really understand things real well, but Jesus lays it out so plain, it's kind of hard to miss what he's saying. And so what he tells us today is that believers, uh, we really need to be careful how we view our treasures because what we do, uh, how we view those is going to affect where we store them up, how we view uh, the world, and whom we're going to serve. So if you found Matthew chapter 6, I know you just sat down, but if you'd stand again, if you can, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 19 and read just a few verses. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Thank you. You may be seated. Now Jesus, he really gives us kind of the, the thesis statement of this passage in, uh, in verses 19 and really the first couple of verses there, and that is store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. And really, he says a mouthful in just, in just a few words. Uh, so I want to unpack this bit by bit. I want you to, note, to notice he first carefully uses the word treasures. Now, when we think of a treasure today, we might think of uh, Long John Silver or uh, Blackbeard or something like that with a, a pirate with an eye patch and a, a chest full of gold and, and precious gems. That's what we think of as treasure. Now, none of us has a treasure like that, I don't think. But, uh, but there's a sense, it, it, it can refer to wealth like that, but there's a sense in which everything that we hold valuable is our treasure. It's our treasure. For some, it's our job. For others, our family, our reputation, our money, our, our home, our clothes, our automobile. Each of us has something that we treasure. And he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, let's think about this. What, is, what does he mean when he says, don't lay up treasures on earth? Because some people look at that and say, well, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That must mean I don't need to have a savings account. That must mean I don't need to have an IRA or, or a CD or, or a 401K or some other kind of retirement account. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, I don't believe it is because Proverbs chapter 6 says, go and look at the ant and learn a lesson. 
But Proverbs 6 says, watch the ant because what an ant does, and this summer we've had a lot of ants, if you haven't noticed, and what an ant does is during the summer when there's all kinds of, of produce out, the ant will go and it'll take and it'll take and it'll work hard and, and it's very industrious while it has the opportunity and it stores up for the winter months when things are lean, when things are not going so well, when that produce is not readily available. And the Bible says, learn a lesson from them. You need to, be, you need to make preparations while you can. But also, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 says that we as Christians have a responsibility to, uh, to our families to take care of them, to provide for the members of our own house. And if we don't do that, the Bible says we're worse than an infidel. So it's okay, even good, uh, to enjoy the, the fruits of your labor. Ecclesiastes says that over and over and over again. What Jesus is talking about here is the person who lives for their treasure. They focus on their treasure, whether it's money or land or something like that. They're the misers that take their eyes off the giver and put them on the gift. So why is it bad to lay up treasures on earth? Why does Jesus say not to do that? Well, because earthly treasures are fleeting. Earthly treasures are fleeting. Now, Jesus gives us some scenarios in, um, in, these, in these verses. Look at verse 20 again. Well, even back in verse 19. He gives us some scenarios uh, that show us how fleeting treasures are. He says, moth and, and rust destroy, or your Bible may say corrupt, your, your treasure. Now, what's this about a moth? Well, in that day, clothing was very expensive. And if you had several changes of clothes, especially nice clothes, that was a sign of affluence because clothes were very expensive to make. And so uh, uh, you remember Gehazi back in, in uh, the Old Testament with Elisha? You remember Naaman came to him and he wanted uh, Elisha to heal him of his leprosy and Elisha, you know, the whole go dip in the Jordan seven times and all that. Well, after Naaman was healed, he said, I want to pay you a bunch of money. And Elisha said, no, uh, I'm not doing that. What God does, he doesn't do for a price. It's, it's a free gift. And so Naaman went on his way, but Elisha's servant Gehazi, he had a covetous heart. He was, he was very greedy, and he thought to himself, you know, uh, I think it would be okay to take that money from Naaman. So he goes and he chases Naaman. He says, uh, Elisha's changed his mind. There are some guys that have come in, and he needs some money, and, uh, and if you'd help us out, we'd really be obliged to you. And so Naaman gives him not only precious metals, but he also gives him several changes of clothes. Now to us, I mean, Scarlet buys clothes all the time. I just had to put a little plug in there. Um, people buy clothes all the time these days. It's not a sign of affluence. But back then, I'm in trouble just so you know, uh, but back then it was a big deal to have clothes, uh, a bunch of clothes. And so Jesus says, you know, you put all your trust in things like clothes, these signs of affluence, a moth, a tiny little harmless bug can get in there and eat holes in your clothes. They'll ruin your wealth if you put your trust in something earthly like that. But then he mentions rust. The word translated there literally means an eating away. It's used 11 times in the New Testament, and only here is it described as rust. Everywhere else it's described as food or eating or something like that. But we have to remember in, in this culture, wealth was not just money in the bank. It was clothes as well, but also it was like a storehouse of food. If you had, if you had food stored up, you were... Things were going good for you. Now, again, we go to the store, we stock up, we buy stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'll eat that. And then you get home, put it in the cabinet, put it in the freezer, and then you don't touch it. Well, that's not the way they did it back then. If you had a storehouse of food, 
uh, you were in you were in the money. And so the idea here is one of of rats and mice, or maybe rain and mildew, destroying those stores of grain. It would it would consume it. It would eat it up. I remember back when I was a, a kid, uh, we farmed, and I remember one year, and I don't know why it was why it happened this way this year, but we had a, a wagon of corn, and for some reason. We didn't take it to the elevator right away, but it got wet. And I don't know, has anybody ever dealt with wet corn? It's bad. And so this corn was wet, and my job was each night I had to go out there to keep it from molding and all that stuff. I had to go out there with a shovel and turn over that corn. And if you've ever had to um, do stuff like that, and maybe you've dealt with compost or something, when that stuff uh, gets to going, it's hot. And I mean, it was cold out there, but boy, the steam was just coming up, and and boy, it was nasty. And and what I'm what I'm uh, saying is that's kind of a picture of what Jesus is is getting at. It doesn't take much to get rid of your will. It, it, it's very fleeting. Sometimes it's it's a, an automobile accident. All of a sudden, all your all that you put away is gone. Maybe it's just a breakdown of your vehicle. Maybe it's a diagnosis from the doctor, and he says, "I'm sorry, I've got bad news." There goes all your life savings. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a stock market uh, crash. Maybe it's a bad investment. I mean, you name it. Wealth is very fleeting. The other scenario he presents here in uh, in verse 19 is theft. And there are always crooks out in the world. Somebody's breaking in and stealing. Sometimes they wear a suit and tie, and they're a CEO. Sometimes they're a, an elected official. Sometimes they're, they're the creep who's casing out a joint, and they break in, and they steal. And you know if you, has any, if, well, maybe any hands, but if you've ever been stolen from, you know that it's a bad deal. It can happen very quickly. When I, <laughs> I used to work as a telemarketer, as I've mentioned here several times, and I, for whatever reason, we always had music playing and stuff like that, and I took, um, back in the day before MP3 players, you know, we had these, these weird things called CDs. I know I'm, I'm dating myself, but we had these things called CDs, not as big as a record, but, you know, and and we used to have these big cases we'd take them around in, and we thought we were big stuff. We had several CDs. Well, I had about 70 of them in a case, and I took them to work, and I had them there, and I accidentally left them there overnight, and when I came back, they were gone. Now, I'm not a bright man, but I know that CDs... Nor the CD case sprung legs and walked. Somebody took those CDs. What confused me then, it still confuses me now, is there were a couple of country CDs in there, but almost all of them were Christian music. And I thought to myself, who steals Christian music? That's like stealing a Bible, right? And I thought, why would somebody do that? And the only and I never got the CDs back. The only I would think somebody would be like, oh, this, this is going to be great. I'm going to rip off Braddock. And then, oh, it's, you know, a gospel quartet. Here you go. You know, have it back. I would think, you know, I don't know why they did it. The only thing I'm hoping is maybe somebody got saved listening to some of it. But whatever it is, here I put all this money into CDs, and it was gone in an instant. Treasures are fleeting. Earthly wealth is fleeting. Now, in contrast to that, 
Uh, Jesus says that we need to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Now, we can't go up to heaven and make a deposit, obviously. So what he's talking about are immaterial things. He's talking about things like your attitude and your deeds. You say, well, I don't know this. What are you talking about? Well, think, what does he just got through saying in chapter 6? All these things that you're doing, almsgiving, prayer, fasting, all these things, if you do them the right way, what does he say God's going to do? Reward you. There's a deposit made on your account. But on top of that, sprinkled all throughout the New Testament are verses that talk about laying up treasures in heaven in some way. Like this one. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. If you're writing your Bible, you might write this one in your margin. Paul says to Timothy, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be, conce- not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Hey, that sounds a lot like what Jesus just said. But on God, who richly supply- supplies us with all things to enjoy. What should we do to store up treasures in heaven? He says, Instruct them to do, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So according to that, what's going to make, uh, what's going to give you treasures in heaven? Doing good, good deeds, being generous, sharing what you have. Think about Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells a parable of a king, and he separates the sheep from the goats. You remember that parable? And uh, and what is it that the king separates them uh, according to? He says, "When I was when I was hungry, what do you do? Give me something to eat." When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you came and visited me. These are, are little things. They're, they're good deeds, but according to Jesus, according to the Scriptures, those things lay up uh, treasures in heaven. A, a deposit is made in the bank of heaven. And up there, who's going to steal it? Gabriel? Michael? What do they need it for? They're not going to steal. and There's nothing there to take it, to corrupt it. It's secure. Peter spoke about having an inheritance reserved for us that's imperishable and incorruptible. So the long and short of of what he says in this little passage, and again, this is the bulk of what he's saying, is don't exhaust yourself working for things. Don't exhaust yourself working for all these earthly treasures that have an abundance of wealth. Instead, focus on preparing for eternity. Now, Jesus again drives the point home. If you look at verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you treasure things, material possessions, that's where your affections and your efforts will be. But if you treasure God and His things above all others, that's where you're going to put your effort. That's where you're going to work. Okay, so let's let's move on to what he says in verse 22 and 23. And, and here he's saying, be careful how you view your treasures. And he paints kind of a puzzling picture because he, he, he mixes metaphors a little bit. And I'm not going to go into all the background with uh, all the stuff that the Jews uh, thought about the eye and stuff like that. But he, he pictures here, you think of, of like a, a body as being a house, and the, and the eyes are like a window. And he says that the light's coming in through the eyes, or maybe your Bible says the, 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 the lamp of the body is the eye. And he's saying that's where the light's coming in. And we all know that our eyes direct our path. Our eyes show us where to go. It helps us be steady. Now, I used to do hub keto, as, as I've said many times, and one of the things we'd do is at the beginning of class, we'd always warm up, stretch out, and do stuff like that. But one of the things that was always fun to do as a black belt, as you're leading the, the lower belts, 
is say, okay, I want everybody to stand on one foot. Now, that doesn't sound like a very martial artsy type thing to do, right? But we talked a lot about balance. And you get up on one foot. You just stand there. And it's fun to look out and watch because people are, and, and if you don't, if you think it's easy, do it. It's, it's fun because people are doing this and getting all crazy. And one of the things that we tell them is if you're having trouble balancing, if you're having trouble with being steady, find a spot on the floor and just fix your eye on that. Or if there's a spot on the wall, find it, and you just stare at it, and it'll help you be steady. Now, I would do that, and sometimes I get to looking at people, and when you start looking at people that are doing this, guess what happens to your balance? You start doing the same thing, but if you look at those fixed spots, it helps steady your step. Now, I say that because Jesus is kind of using that picture here. When we fix our eyes or set our affections on heavenly things, it's going to affect the whole way that we live. It's going to steady our step. We'll try to live in a way that's pleasing to God. We, when we think about heavenly things, this money that we have, we'll be generous with it. We'll share with those who are in need. We won't hold our possessions too tightly. But on the other hand, if, you're, if your eye is, depending on your translation, bad or evil or double or unsound, the opposite is going to be true. You set your eye, your affections, your emotions, if, if you're fixated on the things of this world, or maybe you have one eye on it and think, I'm going to fix the other eye on heaven, it's not going to work. You're going to be unstable. It, it's, you're, you're going to end up being debased. Those, those possessions, pretty soon, they're going to be the thing that you focus on. That's going to be your chief aim. And now, you won't think about, how do I please God? You'll be thinking about, how do I make more money? You won't be thinking about, how can I help this person out? You'll be thinking, boy, I want to keep this to myself. I want to be stingy and selfish. We don't think of it in those terms. We'll justify it. But that's what we're doing. We want to hold on tightly to things and fret and worry about how we can keep somebody else from getting them. And when that happens, you're in a very dark place. So be careful how you view your treasures. Be generous with those things and fix your eyes on heavenly things and not on the things of the earth. Now, the last thing Jesus says, verse 24, is that we need to choose to serve God and not wealth. Serve God and not wealth. Now, he makes a very factual statement. You can't have two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Now, in America, we love liberty, don't we? We love the idea of freedom. Stick out our chest. We're real proud of freedom. And we don't, like, we don't think that anything or anyone is master over us, but, but Jesus says that we're all mastered by something. And we all direct our lives according to some principle. We all order our lives uh, around things that we value. And that's what Jesus has in view here. If God is your highest goal, if he's what's most valuable to you, you're going to live like it. You're going to try to live obedient to him and his word. You're going to try to uh, help out people who need it. You're going to see possessions as tools. You're going to see them as a means to an end and not an end in themselves. But if you set your heart on things, money and all these other things of the world, again, you're going to try to climb the ladder. When you get to the top, you'll find it's leaning against the wrong building. You'll sacri sacrifice your family at the, uh, to get ahead in, in the job. You'll spend money according to your whims instead of according to the Bible. You can't have it both ways. 
You can't divide your heart between God and the world. James 4.4 4 says this. He says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I need two volunteers. Okay? Two volunteers right there. Come on up. So Caleb and John Michael are going to be here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Caleb, grab his hand and grab my hand. Okay, now, let's say I'm God and he's the world. Now, Caleb's trying to hold on to both. What's going to happen when we start going different ways? Now, he's, he's getting stretched, but what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to let go of one of us, right? Okay, thank you, guys. Now, yeah, you should let go of John, stick with God. But, but listen, I, I do that to illustrate what Jesus is saying. You can't have two masters. Because if you try to hold on to God in one hand and the world in the other, they're not going the same way. They're not going to, they don't have the same end in sight. And one of these days, you're going to have to let go of one of them. You're going to have to choose which master you're going to serve. You have to make a decision. Because God and the love of money are not compatible. I'm not saying God and money are incompatible. I'm not saying God and possessions are incompatible. I'm saying God and the love of those things don't work together. Those things are not the highest good. God is. So serve Him and not it. Jesus once said, What does it profit a man if he uh, gained the whole world and forfeits or loses his soul? And sadly, many people have made that choice. They say, You know what? I'd rather have things than I'd rather have God. And that's a foolish choice. Money's all people think about. How do I get more? How do I keep what I have? How do I keep somebody else from getting it? You can't have two masters. And maybe you've gotten in the mindset lately of thinking just about money, the dollars and cents. And you're thinking less and less about God. And if that's you, you better take notice of that. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I'm focused on this, but I'm, I'm really trying to live with what God wants me to. You can't have both. You need to commit to following God. Choose your master. Again, I'm not saying that money is bad because it's not. The love of money is bad. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Be generous. Help people out because money is just a tool. It's just a way to, to help somebody. It's a, it's a way to spread the gospel. It's, a, it's something that we use to pay our bills and, and, and keep a roof over our head. It's not an end in itself. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. Because treasures on earth will one day fail you. Guaranteed. Want to stand with me as the musicians come? And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just in this time, I want you to examine your heart, examine your motives. What one are you holding on to? Are you holding on to God or are you holding on to the world?
Now, Jeff, the Bible says that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Maybe you have that stuff all pretty good, but you've not been, you're just not too generous. Maybe you have the attitude of, well, I worked for it, I earned it, nobody has a right to it but me. Paul said one of the things that stores up treasures in heaven is sharing with people. It's not just in how we spend our money, it's the deeds. It's, it's doing the good works. It's having the right attitudes. Maybe your treasure doesn't have anything to do with Jesus because maybe you've never uh, known Him in a personal way. You've never repented of your sins. You've never asked God to save you. If that's the case, the Bible says you're already condemned. But God loved you so much He sent Jesus to die in your place. If you'll confess Jesus Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from